glorious day. Amen. Remain standing, please. Take your Bibles tonight. Turn with me to the book of Joshua, book of Joshua chapter number 24. Joshua chapter number 24. Joshua chapter 24. And I meant to say Wednesday night, uh, we'll still have prayer meeting time. It's 7 o'clock. And uh, so if you're not involved in Bible school or if you have a job in Bible school that you can come upstairs for the service there, we'll still be bringing a Bible study lesson on uh, at 7 o'clock. And then if you'd like, you can come beforehand at 6.30 when we start Bible school or uh, stay afterwards see what's going on. I believe it would be a blessing to you. All right. Chapter 24. Let's go to verse number 13. And we'll read down through verse number 18. Uh, Joshua chapter 24, verses 13 through 18. I'll read 13. Join me on 14. And so on responsibly through verse 18. And I have given you a land for which he did not labor, and cities which he built not, and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and oliveyards, which he planted not, do ye eat. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land, Therefore, will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Sounds pretty good what they're saying they're going to do. And uh, so we're going to look, though, and see what happened here. And, uh, but the title of my message is this, As for Me, As for Me. Let's ask the Lord to help us now. Father, thank you again for a time that we can be in church on a Sunday night, on a rainy evening. But Lord, we, we ask you to give us rain. Lord, we need it. We just thank you for it, how you bless us so many times. And uh, really, we, we sing about the showers of blessing, and even when it comes down in raindrops, we're, we're thankful for that. But every day, you bless us. Every day, even if the sun's shining, we get showers of blessing. And Lord, I pray that tonight that our hearts will be tender, the things of God. Help us make some decisions tonight. Really, we will. All of us will. I just pray we all make the right decisions. So, Father, bless if there's somebody again that would be here not saved. I pray you save them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Long ago, there was a man named Patrick Henry. And one day in an old church in Richmond, Virginia, he stood up and gave a speech. And you probably know where we're going with that. And that speech helped turn the tide of dealing with King George of England and uh, what was happening was that uh, those in our country here were trying to coexist with the King of England. 
And that was not going to happen. And, and, and Patrick Henry had had enough of that. And, and uh, he, he saw that they were trying to coexist, England and America, and it was just not to happen. And so he made that famous speech where we know the statement that he made. He says, I, I, know, not what, I know not what course others may take, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. You've all heard that statement before. And I've listened to it before. I've heard it so many times, read it too. And, and I think, what a great statement. And yet, I, I, I found something this week there about that that kind of, kind of I, couldn't, I couldn't quite understand. It was this. Nobody applauded what he said. There was silence. I'm thinking, we look at this, this is for the, through the years, this has been one of the greatest statements made. And yet, we, we, when, when he did it, it was like people just heard it and didn't realize how important that, that statement was. And he said, he said uh, you know, the people, of course, they didn't, they didn't applaud. And, and, uh, but, but here's the thing. Whether it's applaud of the people or not, he made a right decision. He said, but as for me, give me liberty or give me death. He said, I don't know what all you want, but he said this, I've made a decision, give me liberty or give me death. He made a very important decision in his life. And truth is, America is, made, is a product, I guess we could say, of good decisions. A lot of decisions were made, and I know they're rewriting history today. You understand, the, reason, the way we became a nation was because somebody made some good decisions in life. Somebody made a decision to come to this land. People made a decision to come and stay and give of everything so that we can have a country like America. But, like, but I like what Patrick Henry said there. He said, but as for me. You know, it's interesting. He said, but as for me, he didn't say now, if you all want to vote on this, he said, but as for me. He was saying, you know what, I am making a decision for myself. And the fact of the matter is, that's pretty much how we all operate. We can all just make a decision for ourselves most of the time. But he made a decision, the right decision then. But see, centuries before that, there was a man named Joshua that had to make a decision and I said that Patrick Henry, he made the decision for himself. But we're going to find out that Joshua made a decision for himself, but not only himself, but also for his house. He made a decision there, and he made that. Joshua made this great speech, which we just read. In fact, we only read part of it here. But this great speech that, that, that he had, that he had uh, 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 given to the children of Israel, he's giving this speech at the close of his life. He's lived his life. He has done all that he's pretty much able to do. And yet, and again, here, here, here's what's important. It doesn't matter how old you are. You can still do something for God. And he didn't say, you know, I'm old. I can't do anything. But he stood up and he made a decision in his old age, soon to die, that would ring for centuries. He gathered all the people together to give a farewell message because he's soon going to die. As you know there, we're in the last chapter of the book of Joshua. And the Bible tells us in the, in the next chapter that, uh, uh, that, that they, he died and uh, they buried him. By the way, notice that they buried him. Look at verse number 30. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Tim, Timnath, 
Sarah, which is in Mount Ephraim on the north side of the hill of Gaish. Now you think about it, they buried him, they didn't burn him. It's a little extra for you there this evening. They buried him. But I, I think just before that he was about to die, he ran down through the blessings of the past. If you'll let me read to you some of verse chapter 24, go to verse number 1. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and their heads and for their judges and for their officers. And they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said to all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor. But he told them something sad, didn't he? And they served other gods. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood, led him throughout all the land of Canaan, multiplied his seed, and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. And I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which did among, I did among them. And afterward I brought you out, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And he came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen under the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them, and covered them, and your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And ye dwelt in the wilderness a long season, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side, Jordan, and they fought with you. And I gave them unto your, into your hand. And that you, that you might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, arose and warred against Israel, and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, uh, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. You see what God's doing here? The Lord is telling him about, and in this speech here that God's given to Joshua there, he's telling him about all the wonderful things that God did, even though they had done wrong. God's good all the time. He's not always pleased with us, but he's good. And he said, verse number 11, And he went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you, the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I delivered them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even, unto, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with the, thy sword nor with thy bow. And then we read verse 13, And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them, and the vineyards and oliveyards which ye planted, which ye planted not, do ye eat. Joshua here is not sparing anything. He's telling them everything that had been going on. He's letting them remember what the blessings were of God, but also reminding them of what they had done too. I think he was showing them the great need that they had to listen to the Lord. And, and he ran down the blessings. And, and I have to say that Joshua here, he gave both the positive and the negative. You know, I believe preaching needs to be that too. I'm going to be positive with you, but I'm also going to be negative with you too. People say, well, we don't need to hear the negative, but you've got to have the negative. We've got to, pre- we've got to preach, thus say the Lord. And that means this, that sometimes we're going to find out the things that we shouldn't do. And so when I look at what the, the message that Joshua had, I'd have to say that Joshua gave them both barrels, didn't he? He gave them the positive and the negative. And then what happens is we get to all this. After all that he said there, I believe that all of a sudden, in verse number 15, he gives an invitation. He gives an invitation to the people. He puts them to the point of, you've got to make a decision. And he said, verse 15, again, it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord. 
choose you this day. He's saying, folks, choose. Choose you this day. What About what? Whom you will serve. Whether the gods, little g, which your father served that were on the other side of the flood. Again, he's saying, what your fathers did. Your fathers did wrong. They served other gods. He was saying, you know, folks, it's time for us to quit coexisting. It's time for us to make a decision what we're going to do. He said, you need to make a decision. You see, Joshua couldn't make the decision for them. They needed to make that decision for themselves. He said, choose ye this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. He said, listen, he said, we, you, you've, got, you've got to make a decision. You folks need to decide what you're going to do. But then he goes on and he tells them, I've made my decision. He said, he said in the last part of that verse, he said, but as for me, well, I'm glad he was willing to stand up. Before he got an answer from everybody else, he said, but as for me, but he didn't stop there, did he? He said, in my house. But as for me and my house, and what a statement, we will serve the Lord. Joshua made a decision. Now, he put it out to everybody else, you've got to make a decision. But he says, I'm telling you right now, I have made that decision. That's like, you know, when a preacher preaches, I believe this, a preacher ought to get the message himself first before he brings it to the people. Where a preacher could say this, you know, hey, you need to make a decision and then be able to say this, I made that decision for myself. And so it was a time for a decision. The Israelites were in the promised land, but they had not driven out their enemies as God had commanded them. And so they were like, you know, trying to co-equally and have a coexistence with, with people. And yet they want to they have an, a peace without victory. You know, you can't really have peace without victory. I think about one of the great generals of the past, Douglas MacArthur. You know what he said? He said this. He said, there is no substitute for victory. I like the song we sing, Victory in Jesus. I like victory. I don't like losing. People say, well, you've got to be a good loser. Who said that ever before? Losers. I want to win. I want on the victory side. I don't want to, I don't want to say, well, we lost. The, no, we win. And then, by the way, I read the last chapter of the book, and we win. Amen? And uh, someone will write a song about that. But uh, what, what a wonderful thing it is. We know that we win. There's victory in him. Don't be ashamed of having victory. You know, uh, we, we live in a time now. Well, we just got to bow down to the Chinese and buy down to everybody else. You know, we're, we can't put ourselves. No, we need to understand we can have victory, and we should ought to desire a victory. And that's what John. Joshua did. He said, I have decided for myself and for my house. Now, you make a decision. The reason he brought this up was he knew the weakness of Israel. He knew that they were, they were weak. He remembered how that Abraham had been called out of idolatry. And yet the seed of evil was still there and dominant and, 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 and ready to spring into the, into the weeds of apostasy. And we saw it coming and he saw that coming. He says, you know, I know how the forefathers were, but I know also when they failed. He said, he, he remembered, remembered at Sinai how that they had promised to serve God. And then what happens, they end up, they end up worshiping a golden calf just a few weeks later. 
Israel was always that way. They were just up and down. It was like they were just going along with whatever happened. And then all of a sudden some punishment would come. And they go, ah, we're going to make it. They needed to make a decision and stick with that decision. Ladies and gentlemen, we ought to make the right decision and stick with it. Young folks in this room here tonight. You know, we got some little girls back here and boys up here. And not little boys, but medium size, all righty. And uh, we've we got the boys and girls. But you know what? They need to make decisions tonight. They need to say, I'm going to serve God. And here's the thing. Remember the decisions that you make. You boys are at camp this, you know, this summer here. I'm sure many decisions you made at camp. Understand this. Camp's over, but the decisions need to be held. You need to say, I'm going to stick with those decisions that I have made. You see, he, he knew, Joshua knew that the people, they would make decisions, but they didn't stick with it. And I thought, you know, that's kind of the way the church is today. We want to live in a peaceful coexistence with this world. You cannot live with this world in a, in, in a peaceful coexistence and also be right with God. We have to live in this world, but we don't need to be of this world. You look, look what's happening. Our, our church has become more worldly. Christians have become more worldly. The world is not getting more spiritual. It's getting more vile. And yet we find the church trying to stay a little bit different than the world, which is now like the world used to be a few years ago. How did they get there? They never made the decision. I'm glad when we started our church, we made a decision. Now, some folks didn't stick with it. Some folks went off to a liberal church. Some went to good churches, but a lot of people went to liberal churches, false doctrine churches. You know what? They made a, made a choice one day, but they didn't stick with it. But we did make a decision to stick with this book. And that's why for these 40 years almost that we've been preaching this Bible, we still stand on this King James Bible. I'm glad it still says King James Lane out there. I'm glad that we still believe in the the, the doctrines of the Word of God. I'm glad we still believe in the standards of the Word of God. You say, preacher, it's time to move on. It's not time to move on. It's time to make the right decision and stick with the decision. So much idolatry today among us, probably as much as there was in the time of Israel. We've got the love of money today. You know, it's amazing, folks. I, well, can you come? To, I want to invite you to church. Well, I can't go to church. I work. Now, this may sound strange, but I just believe this. Then look for another job. Amen. You know, well, you know, I just, you know, I, I got to make money. Yeah, well, I, I understand that, but uh, it doesn't mean we're at the expense of us serving God. You see, the love of money is one of the big things today that's holding back on folks being faithful to church. Christians getting in church. So I got to pay my bills, and you look at all the toys that we have to have to pay for. I, I, I might be, be better off to make a little bit less money and serve God than make more money and not serve God. Amen. The sensual pleasure that we find today, you know, where we're now, it's just if it feels good, do it. I remember the hippies used to say that, but I'll tell you what, it's caught on, didn't it? They used to say, you know, they had their little love communals. Now what happens, we don't have a big communal, but all of a sudden now we live with each other. We've taken their, their big communal and made a little communal. And we say, hey, just do whatever. Whatever feels good to you. But John's last words was this in 1 John. He said, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Little children, 
Keep yourselves from idols. You say, preacher, we don't have a little statue in our house. Uh, no, but we have other things in our house other than a statue. Sometimes it's, what it's in our, what's in our wallet. Sometimes it's that bank account. Sometimes it's our house itself. Sometimes it's the toys that we have. You say, well, they're not idols. Anything that comes between us and God is an idol. Man, that's really tough. That's the truth. Back to Joshua's statement in verse 24. He said, you need to choose today. He says, choose you this day whom you will serve. Where the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. That he told him, didn't he? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. What did the people say? Well, let's look and see verse 16. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Well, that sounds pretty good, doesn't it? For the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight, preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. Stop there. Sounds pretty good. They said, well, man, we're going to join you on this. Joshua, you made the choice. I'm gonna, I've made my choice. And also I'm saying, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. The people said, man, we've got to do the same thing. We're going to do it. We're just going to serve God. Joshua saw something in them. He saw they weren't being honest. Look at verse number 19. And Joshua said to the people, you cannot serve the Lord. For he is an holy God. He's a jealous God. And he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If he forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after uh, that he hath uh, done, un, uh, done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses against yourselves. And ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And, that, and they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore put away. You see, there was something. it was more than just making a decision. Now they had to make a move. He says, now therefore, verse 23, Now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. So right now, it sounds like, boy, everything sounds pretty good here. They're going to do the right kind of things here. And uh, yet... When you read on, we come to the end of the life of Joshua, and then we come into the book of Judges. And when you come into the book of Judges, you find out there was a lot of problems going on in the book of Judges because of the decisions, or I should say this, by the people not keeping their decision they made. In fact, the last verse in Judges says this, Judges 21-25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. What a sad statement. They did what was right in their own eyes. Not what was right in God's eyes. Hey, is this the same thing happening today? People say, I don't see anything wrong with it, preacher. I don't see anything wrong with doing this or doing that. And, 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 I, and I know, we, we come up with all these different things. It doesn't matter whether we see it or not. It's what God says. 
Our problem is we're doing that which is right in our own eyes. You've heard me say about the man one day, he used to come to church here a long, long time ago, and he said this, he said, I don't believe anything sin unless you're convicted about it. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that. God says sin. You say, well, I'm not, I, you go out and have an adulterous affair, and you say, I'm not convicted about it. You're still in an adulterous affair. And you lie, and you say, but I'm not convicted about it. It's still a lie. And we can go down through the whole list. I don't think we want to stay here and do that. But we go down through the whole list there. And, and, and so what happens, we find that here the people in the last part of Joshua, they're saying, hey, we will stick with it. We are making the decision with you there, Joshua. We're going to do that, which is right. And then what happens, we find out that in those days there was no king, and every man did that which was right in their own eyes. They forgot what they said they were going to do. That's why I say young people, it's good for our young folks to make decisions while they're young and stay in church. And moms and dads keep underlining those decisions. And for them to stay in a church, listen, they'll stay in a church that'll keep preaching these things. They'll always be reminded of it. Amen. The people said about the Lord, you know, and how that they were going to, to do what's right. We're going to obey God. Uh, you know, and they're going. And, and I thought it was kind of, kind of, kind of strange here when they said in verse twenty-three. Now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve, and His voice will we obey. It doesn't say they'll put away their idols, does it? They want to coexist. Oh, well, we're going to do what God wants us to do, but we're going to hang on to some of these things too. You say, that's a stretch. Is it really? When you go into the book of Judges and you find out what happened? It's not a stretch. That's exactly what happened. But that's not something new. You know, sometimes people talk about the Lord, how much they love the Lord. And you've heard me give that illustration a thousand times. When I lived in Turkey Valley, the man would, was there at a little camp with his girlfriend while his wife lived in Altoona. And I talked to him, and I asked him, I thought, man, this man doesn't know the Lord. And I asked him, I said, hey, let me ask you this. He was over and needed some water from our spigot there. And, and uh, I said, let me ask you something. If you're to die today, do you know you go to heaven? He says, oh, yes, I love my Lord. My Bible says, if you love me, keep my commandments. You know, thou shalt not commit adultery. Right? That's exactly what he was doing. You know, his talk. Oh, I love my Lord. I'm, it's kind of like this. Watch them. I'm a preacher. You know, you ought not judge. How can we not judge? How can we not judge? Watch and see what's going on. I believe the Bible talks about us judging things according to the word of God. You see. But how many people this last week even we talked to and they said, Oh, yes, I know I'm saved. You go to church and you are, No, I haven't been in years. I'm not saying they're not saved, but I'm just questioning their spirituality. He said, well, you know what, preacher, you don't understand. I've got this going on and that going on. I understand this. That is something more important than the things of God. Christians all over today are saying they love the Lord and they know the Lord, but they're just trying to coexist with the world and do the ways of the world. I've preached about this for a long time, and what happens, we find it gets worse and worse, and, and that's why, that's why uh, uh, these people there, after, after uh, 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 Joshua made the statement, as for me and my house to serve the Lord, the, and the people said, and the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. Boy, God forbid that we do this, but they did. Why? 
They just said words rather than making that decision. The same decision that Joshua made. You think about it. What God was what God was showing them here this that you know God's not going to and and this is why this is why uh, in verse nineteen God brought up here and Joshua said to the people you cannot serve the Lord for He is a holy God He is jealous God He will not forgive you transgressions or your sins He was saying this He says you know what you need to get things right God's holy and God's jealous Amen He's jealous uh, you, ever, you ever been jealous of somebody You know I say this as a boy dating a girl. If some other boy flirts with her, are you jealous? If you're not, you need a sock in the head. Amen? You know, I told you, my wife, we were talking this afternoon. We were sitting on the porch again. She didn't have to wipe any drool off my chin. And, uh, but we were sitting on the, on the porch this afternoon there, and I was saying about, about, about the, the, you know, this one kid. I said, Stuart, baby. And my wife says, well, he didn't flirt with me. I said, I saw him. And I remember, remember you remember me telling you about that. He said he wanted he stuck around. He says, "Hey, Biter, I need to ride home." I said, "Okay, Stuart." I had a Mustang, fastback Mustang, had a trunk about the size of a glove compartment. I said, "Get in the trunk," because we had we had other guys in the back seat, and we only put two back there and one in the front. And uh, I think there still was room. I think I only had one in the back and one in the front. And I said, "Stuart, get in the trunk." I'm going to teach him a lesson. Man, he bounced all over that little bitty thing. I mean, you'd hear him. You'd turn. I'd turn as fast as I could one way, turn the other. you say, why'd you do that? I'm jealous. That's my girl. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. Or if you are so old, you don't even remember those days. I, that's another thing. But the thing is, I was jealous about that. Don't mess with my girlfriend. Right? The two of you. The rest of you, you know, you're a bunch of, bunch of dogs, I'm telling you. You know what? You ought to just go, go put the pound, put you in a pound. My God's jealous. He's jealous. He said, God, I really love you. He goes, I see you flirting with the world. I see you hopnobbing with the world. Why, why, why are you spending time with them? Hey, hey, uh, we're having church down there at the church house. Revival's down there. Hey, something's going down at church. Well, Lord, you know, I mean, it's ball game night. Cheating on them. God says, I'm jealous. He is. He's a jealous God. But talks cheap. He said, you know, God's jealous. I, you know, I'm thinking, boy, I mean, oh, Joshua, he was strong preaching there, wasn't he, in verse 19? He said, man, you, he goes, you folks there, you just need to get straightened out. I think about, you know, modern-day Christianity so shallow, afraid of being different, worried about what the world might say. And even sometimes parents, I don't think we have any parents like this in our church. I've seen parents before, well, I'm afraid, you know, I, ain't, I just hate to put the kid in school because, you know, people are going to say something. Don't worry what people are going to say. Do what's right. You know, preacher, I just, you know, and if, I, if I go all the time, my family's going to think I'm a fanatic. And yet they will paint themselves black and gold for a football game. They will put stickers all over their cars telling you they're a pirate fan, and, uh, which is also a thing, uh, a sticker that tells everybody you're stupid. But uh, 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 just like the Cubs, that's why I don't have any Cubs stickers on my truck, because that is a sign saying, I am stupid, I'm for the Cubs. But you know what? Uh, 
we need to not worry about being called a fanatic. We need to be concerned about being a follower of Christ. As for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. Revival took place in Joshua's life. And I believe it took place in his family too. Because he said, as for me and my house, Joshua made the decision. He said, as for me. But I like what he did. He said, and as for my house. That was the boys and the girls, his wife. It was all the kids in the family, wasn't it? He said, as for me, I made the decision for myself, but I'm also going to say this. You say, how can he say it? Because he was just the dad. He was the right kind of husband and the right kind of dad. He was a leader in the home. Oh, don't worry about it. I understand political correctness, and it is wrong what I'm saying to the world, but it's right to the word of God. The man is to be the leader in the home. Joshua spoke for the whole family. You know, I looked and looked through this story, and I never found anywhere where Joshua took a vote. Did he? He didn't say, now, it's Sunday. How many of you want to go to Sunday school this morning? No vote. We never gave our kids a vote. Never did. Didn't ask them, you want to go here? You want to do that? And it was not a vote. He said, well, you need to let them make their own decisions. I understand. You know, you want to sit in the first pew or the second pew? <laughs> it's a good decision. You want to make a decision on the right side or left side. Throw the preacher. All you boys sit on the right side. I'll go nuts because I'll look over here for you and won't find you, and then you're over there. There's decisions we make. Decision to read our Bibles. Joshua made the decision here. You know what? I'm doing it, and so is my family. So you can't do it. Really? You can't do it? Oh, no. It's, you don't want to do it. So we'll let the children decide. You're just like these people today that are trying to let little four- and five-year-olds, you know what, honey? I'm not saying you're a boy, and I'm not saying you're a girl. You decide what you are. And we look at that as being stupid, no more stupid than when a Christian says, I'm going to let my kids choose whether or not they're going to Sunday school or church. I'm going to let my child choose whether they go to this Christian school or not. I'm going to let my child decide what they're going to wear. We're to be parents. And we first need to make the right decisions. There was another revival that took place in Shechem. It's interesting. We read there in chapter 24 that they called all the tribes of Israel to Shechem. And we find another story that takes place in Shechem. And that was a, a story about Jacob. Look with me to Genesis chapter number 34. Genesis chapter number 34. And go to verse number uh, 30. And what, what had happened here was, this is, a, is quite a story, we won't get into it uh, 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 deep here, but uh, what had happened was Jacob had wandered from Bethel to Shechem, and, and, uh, and, and what happened there, his daughter got into problems there, and, and uh, the, the Shechemites, they, they did some awful wicked things, and so the boys, the brothers of, this, of the daughter, said, you know what, we're going we're gonna to do something here. And they got a plan together, and they, they, they said, hey, listen, all you fellas, you got to do this, and, and then, you know, then everything will be okay. And what he did, he got them to a place where they were, all in, they were all sore and problems were going on. 
they weren't up for a battle. And you know what they did? They went and killed them. Look what the Bible says in verse number 30. Let's see what Jacob had to say about it. And Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You have troubled me to make me to stink. Isn't that interesting? To stink among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Perizzites. And I being few in number, they shall gather themselves together against me and slay me, and I shall be destroyed, I and my house. And they said, Should he deal with our sister as with an harlot? The boys were doing something their dad said not to do. What happened here? Look at chapter 35. And God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there. Make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. Then Jacob said unto his household and to all that were with him, Notice what he said. Put away the strange gods that are among you, and be clean, and change your garments. Let us arise, go up to Bethel. I will make there an altar unto God. It was a good thing to do. Who answered me in the day of my distress, and was with me in the way which I went. And they gave unto Jacob all the strange gods which were in their hand, and all their earnings which were in their ears. Earrings, not earnings. Earrings. You can keep your earnings in your ears, I guess. But earnings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was by Shechem. I'm telling you what, if folks went and got rid of all their gods today, they'd have a forest full. Because a lot of gods today. And they journeyed, and the terror of God was upon the cities that were round about them. And they did not pursue after the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan, which is, in, which is Bethel, the, he and all the people that were with him, and he built there an altar. It's a good thing. Altars are important. And God called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. But Deborah's, Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried beneath Bethel under, the oak, under an oak. The name of it was Alon Bacoth. And God appeared unto Jacob again, when he came out of Pandoram and blessed him, and God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob, thy name shall not be called any more Jacob, but Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply, a nation and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. In the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee will I give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. And Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereupon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of that place where God spake with him Bethel. Jacob made a decision. He said, we need to do us right. Again, he makes a decision for his whole family. He told the boys, as we read there, he told them, verse 2, put away the strange gods that are among you. Put them away. And they did. You understand, Jacob obeyed God right away, and then what he did, he ordered his household to put away their strange gods, change their garments, and return to the place of blessing. So Jacob then was kind of like Joshua, wasn't he? He was one who said, you know what, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Jacob said, hey, we're going to serve God. 
So I made a decision, boys. I need you to go and get rid of your idols. I need you to get rid of that right now. We need to get things straightened out. I'd have to say once again, I don't find that Jacob took a vote with his family. He didn't say who wants to do this. He told them what to do. Well, preacher, you know, you just can't tell kids what to do. Who said that? Some idiot said that. Some lost person told you that. Somebody not right with God told you that. I believe this with all my heart. Parents need to know what our kids have. Amen. What do our children have? You say, well, I don't think that's important. But he, he, here's the thing. He told, he told them, he said, put away the strange gods that are among you. He knew what they had. Now, I'm afraid sometimes we as parents are just as dumb as a rock. We don't know what's going on in our children's lives. I know they keep secrets sometimes. But we need to know what's going on. We need to know what's, what they have. Your kids have a telephone. You better make sure you know what's on that phone. You say, well, I just don't know how to do it. You find out how to do it or find somebody who does know how to do it. With all the the media that's out there today, kids are doing all kinds of things on social media. And parents are, uh, they're they're oblivious to it. They have no idea. I just don't know how. Learn how to do it. That's why I'm so tired sometimes. People say, I just can't figure out why don't you learn so you can protect. We ought to know what our kids have. We ought to know where they are. Know where they are. Amen. You say, I don't know where they're at. Y'all know where they're at. And y'all ought to know this. You ought to know where they're going. There's nothing wrong with having a curfew. Amen. Well, you know, you know, they're, they're 15 now. They can make their own decisions. You're crazy. You've got a, a hole in your head. Know what's going on. You know what we need? We need, some, we need some fathers to be like Jacob and Joshua. As for me, but and my house. Yes, I'm making a decision, but my house is going to do it too. You say, over oh, preacher, you just can't do that. Why not? Those two men did. Our homes are a mess today because oftentimes men will not be the leaders that they ought to be in the home and make the right decisions. You see, really, revival is a personal thing. It's a personal thing. Every one of us will need to make a decision, but I'll tell you this. We all need to make the decision for ourselves as adults, but then make those decisions for our kids, too. You know, you don't say, do you want to go to church tonight? You go, get in the car. I don't feel like going. You're not going to feel like staying home in a minute. He said, well, I just, I'm afraid I'll turn them against it. Did you understand what they just said? They don't want to go to church. They're already turned against it. It just might be that service, the preacher will preach a message that will get through their thick little head. Some of you right now thinking, I've lost my mind. No, I haven't. When our country's not right, we don't burn it down. Now, liberals do that. We're going to burn down that city because, you know, someone got killed, but the police killed somebody. We're going to burn down the city. Something not right. You don't burn down the city. You know what you do? You get things right. 
When our kids mess up, we don't, we don't burn them. We don't throw them out. What do we do? We help them out. We help them and guide them to do the right things. I believe, I believe one of the dangerous things that's in modern-day Christianity today is this. Listen to it carefully. Many Christians have become Christian socialists. We're going to let the school raise my kids. No. I'm to raise my kids. I'm thankful for Christian school. We've had our kids in Christian school all their lives. If they ever get smart enough to graduate, they can get out of the Christian school. But they've always been in Christian school. Here's the thing. Again, we didn't ask them if they wanted to. You want to go to Christian school? No, you didn't. You just went. But, 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 here, but here's, here's the thing. Uh, the socialism was this. They're saying, you know what? The, the school's got to raise my kids. Let me tell you something. Public school ought not raise your kids. But I'm saying this too. I'm going to step further, all right? Heritage Baptist School is not to raise your kids. You say, well, who is? Mom and dad. The school's a tool. The, the Christian socialism is this. Well, let the church raise my kids. Sounds good at first, doesn't it? There's been a lot of kids that went to all the activities and did all certain things. And what happens? They graduated and then they went to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was a problem somewhere. We thought, well, the school, the, uh, the, the church will raise my kids. You cannot, you cannot substitute what God said to do. We're to raise up our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The most important two people in a child's life is the mom and the dad. Joshua and Jacob made a statement. I am going to do what's right. And as for me and my house, we're going to do this. Jacob said, all right, we need to get things right. Boys, children, get all these idols and throw, go and bring them to me. I'm going to go bury them in the tre- under the trees. As for me and my house. You know what that was said by? A dad. It was not said by the pastor. It was not said by, by the teacher. It was said by the dad. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Well, I'm telling you right now, I know it's not Father's Day, but I, I believe it's all my heart. There's a great need for some dads today to get a backbone and be like these two men we've been talking about tonight. We need some men to be the head of the home. I say this too. We need some ladies to be the heart of the home. Amen. He said, well, you know what? We're equal partners. Where'd you read that in the Bible? He said, well, you're not politically correct. Hello, you just caught that? The husband is to be the leader in the home. Amen. The wife is to be the heart in the home. Thank the Lord. You know, we need a head and we need a heart. But if you have a thing with two heads, you've got a monstrosity. Right? You, know, you look something coming down the road there and you've got two heads. I'm like, man, I'm going the other direction. In our houses today, our kids all mixed up because, you know, you know we do. We go, can I go do this? And then the other one says, well, ask your mom. Go ask mom. What happens? The kids start learning there's two heads in the home. Dad's to be the head. Amen. That's the way it's supposed to be. 
An old timer one time said this, the automobile took the family out of the home and the television brought the world into the home. What a statement. We've let the television dictate how we raise our kids. We're going to do it just like TV does. I'm telling you what right now, that's the wrong way to look at it, amen. That is the wrong thing. You know, we, we live in a time when age surrenders to youth. You, you, know, you know why a lot, of, a lot of churches went to different versions of the Bible? They're young people. The young people don't understand it, which tells you the school system's failing because they can't understand thee and thou. Amen? What do they do? They bow to the kids rather than bowing to God. Joshua made a decision, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Sometimes, you know, people come to church. Throughout the years, I've seen it happen. People come to church and say, hey, where's, where's so-and-so? Where's your kids? And they say this, and I'm like, I can't believe they're even saying it to me. They didn't want to come. <laughs> hey, Mark, you out there? You ever say that to me? No. Oh. And I'm telling you, he didn't. You know why I know he, why he, it's proof? He's alive. <laughs> Lisa, did we ever give you a choice on it? And thank the Lord they didn't find, I don't want to go to church, because they always had the best pastor in all the world. <laughs> thank you, honey. Amen from you, the rest of you. Oh, did you say amen too? All right, good. I'm, I'm surprised it came out of your mouth. You said, oh, me, I heard that. Don't, you can whisper, but I can hear those things when you say something mean about me. I remember I used to be a youth, youth pastor. You know who gave me more trouble than, in, than the kids? Parents. Parents did. They have youth activity. You know, you plan a youth activity, and you go out, and you buy stuff, and you get plans or everything, and you all gather, be gather here on this night, and we're going to do this. And all of a sudden, there's, there's kids missing. You're like, man, you know, where, where's everybody at? And then you ask the parents, well, where's, where's your son? Where's your, where's your daughter? They go, they didn't want to come. Hey, Mark, did you ever do that with a youth activity? Knew better, right? All right, go back to sleep. Same thing with the girls. I, I don't like doing that thing. You go anyhow. As for me and my house, I, I, I can't see Joshua going, ah, kiddies, what do you want to do? I know it's church night, but you know, I got homework. Oh, my. You better stay home and do that homework. I say, go to school and get demerits. Get in church. Well, you know, Mom, and I'm tired. Well, I got a way to wake you up. You go in the bathroom, turn the shower on, ice cold water, and throw them in. <laughs> oh, you look so strange now. You say, you're really mean. But you know what? You'll never have to do that if you start them young. I don't think we have any boys on the front row that thought about coming to church, did you? If you did, we're going to start the altar call right now. I'm glad I looked over when we were singing. I looked over at those boys singing. I mean, their mouths were open. They didn't just... They, they were singing the songs out. The reason? 
Somebody said it's for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. You know, we need some Jacobs and some Joshuas tonight to lead their family out of, out, out of Shechem back to Bethel. Bethel means the house of God or even El Bethel, the God of the house of God. That's what we need. But Joshua and Jacob made a decision for themselves first. And then they made a decision for their family too. That's Bible. That's Bible. Tonight, but as for me, give me liberty or death. But as for me, me and my house will serve the Lord. Now the kids are all grown up and they're gone. But me and the little lady, we're still going to serve the Lord. You see, we need to make the decision. Tonight, in this invitation, maybe you need to make a decision. You know, we're going to just serve the Lord. We're going to put away all of our excuses. You know, there's plenty of them. And, and we, we know where the excuses come from. The devil gives them. He'll always supply those things for us. We just need to make the decision tonight that we will serve the Lord. And every dad and every mom in this room will say, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord too. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, again for this time this evening. Thank you for the word of God. Lord, I just pray that this evening as we come to this invitation time that we would all make the right decisions in our life. And with our heads bowed, our eyes closed here this evening, and maybe you're here tonight, you're not sure you're saved. You need to trust the Lord as your Savior. I wonder if anyone tonight said, Preacher, I'm not sure of salvation, but I'd like to know it. Pray for me. Would you slip your hand up? Anyone tonight? Preacher, I'm not sure that I'm saved. Christian, tonight, you know the Lord's your Savior. It's a wonderful thing, but I'm going to ask you something else, too. I believe you can be saved and not do what these men did. I'll say this, you're not a good Christian, though. Tonight, may we all say this, but as for me, make that decision for yourself. Young folks tonight, you can make that decision for yourself. You don't have a family yet. But as for me, I will serve the Lord. May we all say this, all of us adults, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I'll tell you what, how sweet it is to serve the Lord together as a family. Father, bless the invitation time now. I pray that you'd deal with our hearts in this time. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Shall we stand as a song?